Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. On this week's show, more Ronaldo and the Authors of Pain are all gone. NXT, what's happening with their world champion and Roman Reigns, the new WWE Universal Champion? We also have some news regarding Major League Wrestling. What can we expect from them when they return in November? And we'll finish the show with the all-important AEW All-Out Preview. All that and more. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome once again to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. How are we all? All good, I hope. As usual, I am here with my good buddy, Mark, and my good buddy, Pete. Sorry, Pablo. No, Pete. How are we, guys? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to know what my name is. <laughs> oh, dear. We, I will definitely stay on straight and narrow this week, and you are definitely Pete. No, probably, just definitely Pete. Definitely Pete. <laughs> Talking about there in the, in the intro, there's been a lot of WWE news. Hot on the heels of SummerSlam, hot on the heels of Payback, and some breaking news just literally before we went on air this, this, uh, this evening slash this afternoon. Mark, what can you tell us about this? So, Authors of Pain, uh, Akam and Rizar, uh, former tag team champions uh, in NXT, on the main roster, um, managed at one point by Drake Maverick, before that managed by Paul Ellering in NXT, Unfortunately, no longer with the WWE. Um, last time we saw them, where they were following the disciple, they were disciples of Seth Rollins, um, and that was the last time we had seen them. But injuries, unfortunately, have played a part in some of their delays and push, and they're no longer with the promotion. Yeah, yeah, that was that one was a shock because they they hadn't really done much since they come into the main roster. Twenty eighteen was it? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a shame because they were always they always seemed to be on the cusp of something, and then and then there'd be injuries or or some change in the in the way they were going to be presented, and they'd be off TV for a little bit, and 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 we'd uh, uh, miss out on on their presence. It's it's strange because when the furloughs happened and and the the re- releases happened in April, I penciled one or both of them in just because of their their apparent injury proneness and lack of push and whatever else but they stayed you know six seven months down the line and they're they're gone anyway it's uh i'm strange i'm not too sure why they've announced it now maybe the injuries are worse than what it's they let on i'm not sure but it's it's yeah it's a sad it's a sad thing Uh, and as i said to pete before the show started i'm going to give it about half an hour after the show finishes before everyone goes oh they're aew bound (laughs) <laughs> which, which is interesting because I think I think they they seem more suited to to Major League Wrestling or or even Impact. No, you, you was right when you said earlier about popping them into uh, into contra unit in MLW. Mm-hmm. Which, by yeah. the way, we've got news coming about MLW later on in the show. That would be uh, a great fit, definitely. Uh, but we have some other major uh, uh, exits to WWE this week, isn't that right, Mark? Yeah, uh, it's unfortunate that. More Ronaldo, the voice face uh, of the commentary team with NXT, was outstanding, and uh, he's his time with the company is gone. It's if you've been listening, there's 
been Stu Bennett or Wade Barrett, or whoever, whichever name he's going to be going by, uh, has been on commentary along with Vic Joseph more in the last recent. I, I think COVID probably played a part in that, but um, he's going to go off to do other things that he's always been heavily tied to MMA. And it was always felt that there was other opportunities out there for him, but that's, that's really unfortunate. Uh, some people, it's funny what he did with those around him. I don't know if I necessarily have the same take on it, trying to put himself over. I don't know about that, but that was one person's take that I read. I don't, I think he was just uberly exuberant. That's just my take on it. And um, somebody might see it differently and said, no, 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 you have to share the spotlight, share the wealth with what you do. It's not just about your voice. It's everyone's. So I'm, what do you think, Mark? I'm going to miss Morrow, really. I I liked his voice. It, um, the, he he made it feel he made it feel more like sports, because he seemed to his voice seemed to be more cut out for for like calling a, a football game or or you know something professional like that, and and I think his uh, his Mamma Mia is going to go down with with Jr's by God and and Joey Styles Oh My God as like one of the one of the great signature calls. In, mm-hmm. in the industry for sure he's marrow's going to be a huge loss and for Stu bennett slash wade barrett to step into his shoes uh it's a bit of a tough ask uh, even though he's not going to step in into his shoes as, as such but people are going to compare him because he's come as, as marrow's gone whatever marrow does uh he's he's he works hard and uh, if his documentary is anything to go by, he he'll he'll land on his feet. He, he's got troubles; everyone's got troubles, but he battles them, powers through, and wherever he lands, whether it's with his Showtime contract, whether it's MMA, the guy's golden in my eyes. There's nothing he can yeah. do wrong. Yeah, he's really Agreed. got the golden voice. He can go. He can go just about anywhere with that. But I, I sorry, you guys sorry, like the yeah. pop. Sorry, do you like the? I I like the pop culture references and the the stuff that he weaves in there that. Maybe fly over some people's heads, but I think it's funny. I don't. Know, you guys find it amusing at yeah. all, or? Yeah, like I said, yeah. he's, he's he's been like he's been my favorite my favorite commentator since since coming back, apart from Excalibur. But like as far as as a a, a straightforward play by play commentator, I think I think Morrow's gonna be up there with with the greats, like like Jr. like Tony Schiavone, like like Gordon Soli, even dare I say, there was. There was literally about a few times, I can count them on one hand, where I think that he overdid the pop culture references. And considering he was with the company for, what, four years? He was doing weekly TV, he was doing, he was doing pay-per-views, you know, five times in four years where I just think he's done a smidgen over the top with the pop culture references. I mean, as I said, the guy's golden. He's, there's nothing he can do that will sour him on me. And, yeah, just good luck to him in his, his next venture. And also talking about good luck in their next venture, who who else has been let go slash contract expiry happened this week, Mark? Uh, well, it, it wasn't the the advocate for the Beast Incarnate. It was the Beast Incarnate minus the advocate, Brock Lesnar, no longer with the WWE. Yeah. When this news broke, I, I was going to privately message Pete and say, this is all a swerve. Because in four weeks' time, he's going to appear unannounced on Raw Underground. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, I, and I remember I brought it up in the group uh, uh, chat that we we're all in that we we might have to we might have to retire Lesnar Watch for Raw Underground. Yeah, that's uh, a shame. Yeah, but. he he was he really he really was the last Undertaker style attraction mm-hmm. in WWE, especially yeah. because he was he was the one who ended the streak. And and you know I'm I'm okay with not seeing him on TV for for a little bit, especially considering that his last run was was kind of incredible was kind of impressive considering what his runs have been like before yeah but you know i i think if he if he were if he were still under contract if he could just give us a year of of brock lesnar giving back in a sense of like putting over some of the new some of the new beasts that are that are coming up i think that could have been a really interesting way to to uh, or in a really positive way to see off Lesnar. Is is this really the end of Lesnar, or is this just Vince keeping him in a holding pattern and going, when I need you the most, I'm going to bring you back? It might be that. You know, we've seen that with with others like you know Batista and and The Rock. Of course, I don't think I don't think Lesnar is going into Hollywood anytime soon. <laughs> but I think he's uh, he'll he'll probably do. I mean, he might do a bit of MMA. Probably not for for UFC after his last uh, appearance, but you know he's got he's another guy who's got options. Even if he just wants to sit at home in Calgary, sit, sit in his massive farm and just count his stacks of money like Scrooge McDuck. Yes, I'm showing my age. So with the departures, we've had some more uh, kind of controversy in regards to the NXT title. Yeah, um, so it was a four way match. You know, you had Finn Balor, Adam Cole. Johnny Gargano all compete and I guess it's as one of our writers Jake uh, Landmaster mentioned mentioned that maybe we should make it an and pending because there was no definitive winner so what's happened since last week well NXT GM decided he couldn't split Finn Balor and Adam Cole at two two wins apiece and went uh, okay next week pair of you one-on-one for the title and that's kind of annoyed a lot of fans out there. The uh, the hates I've seen on Twitter, hates probably a bit strong word, but the the annoyance level, yeah, the vitriol, on, yeah, vitriol. Thank you, vitriol. Good word. The vitriol of people on on Twitter is uh, it's been quite harsh. I, I I don't mind it. I mean, people seem to get wound up because a match ended in a draw, and yet it's been a while since something like that's happened. When go back twenty twenty five years. There were time limit draws. There were count-out draws. There were things like that once, yeah. twice a week. And people seem to have forgotten that. The younger fans are obviously not conditioned to it. So no. it, it's a, for me, it doesn't bother me. We get to see Balor against Cole one-on-one. I'm, I'm, I'm good for it. What about you guys? Uh, yeah, as you were saying with, you know, the way the way people used to used to have count out draws and, and time limit draws all the time. I, I when I when this happened, one of my first thoughts was I, I bet Dusty would have liked this. Definitely, it, yeah. It seems like a thing he would have gotten on to, and and you know it keeps people interested at least to see what happens next week because uh, NXT is doing a Tuesday show next week again. Excited as I am to see Cole and Balor one on one, I'm I'm kind of not excited about the prospect of either man as champion. I think Cole and Undisputed Era are kind of going in circles and. You know, it's kind of it's kind of what I said about about Ciampa and Gargano uh, last week. But yeah, Cole's going in circles, and uh, I 
I danced around this opinion while we were talking about uh, the NXT Takeover Takeover Thirty card. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it now. I think that Finn Balor is kind of boring. Uh oh. Now for people who don't know, his Twitter handle is at Pete probably. <laughs> feel, feel free to just 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 chuck that vitriol at him that you were aiming at, at, at the NXT general manager and just chuck it at Pete because that's a bold statement there, dude. And, and when yeah. you send that hate, don't put a full stop before the at symbol. <laughs> make, make sure it fully goes there. Type in all caps if you need be. Lots of exclamation marks. So ex- you got to explain your thought of boredom. Like maybe elaborate. Yeah, I- yeah. I'm going to – okay. So <laughs> so I think that Finn Balor's – when he's not the demon, he's incredibly boring because it's he, he's just he's just the the you know that smiling baby face that we'd gotten to know in in WWE and and his matches when he's not the demon all seem kind of the same and and even when he is in the How demon about, persona they seem really samey but i i as just, a heel as a heel though in general how are you finding i'm interested at the very least to see if if he go- brings an even even more edge to to wrestling heel as the demon, because mm. I think I think that's really his selling point with WWE. I'm open to the possibility that I am missing something fantastic he did in Japan that would re- absolutely change my opinion of him. I've also I've also had wrestlers that I am not big on explained to me in a way that that makes them click. Like I, I wasn't into Shinsuke Nakamura for the first bit of him being in WWE, but then someone explained it to me that he's he's Japanese Shawn Michaels, and all of a sudden everything made sense, and mm. and it seemed and it seemed like like I was miss everything I was missing just 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 came together at that point. So maybe I'm just not thinking about Balor the right way. If someone if someone would like to correct me, I am I am open to it. The way I see it is that. When WWE signed Finn Balor, they signed the guy who who changed New Japan with Bullet Club. The man that went from this smiley, happy, waving at the fans' baby face to a big F you, I'm a foreigner, I've had enough of your crap. Uh, the guy who sometimes uses like paint and, and other stuff. And they brought him in and pushed him with the demon gimmick. Now, when he went back to NXT and he turned on Johnny Gagano did the Pele kick and, and turned heel everyone around the world was expecting that same heel that led the Bullet Club that formed the Bullet Club what they got was a watered down version the WWE version and it's 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 tarred him so unless mm-hmm. and, now, and now he's he's treading water as a tweener I think mm-hmm. if that's even a, a thing I hate using that word but He's treading water. He's neither a heel, he's neither a face. He's, he's right down the middle. Whether or not they're going to pull the gun on him and do the double turn and make Adam Cole and, you, and the Undisputed Era complete, fully babyface and turn Balor heel it could work. But there's so many variables in the way. But I do kind of see where you're coming from with your with your analogy of Balor. Yeah, yeah. I, and yeah, like I said, I I think it'll be I think it'll be a good match. I think guys are are both of them are able to to to, 
to to keep up with each other and the work rate. I think that they did an excellent job with the with the Fatal Four Way Iron Man match, even if even if it was a draw. But yeah, just like I said, it, I'm not excited for either man having a championship run. Okay, just switching gears slightly. You're not excited about either man having a championship run there. Are you excited about the big dog coming back, scooping up that universal title, and having an advocate? Scooping up the universal title? No. I think there should have been a little bit more build before he got it. Uh, about picking up Paul Heyman, I think that could be a very good thing because having Heyman talk for him allows Reigns to do what he did best when he was in the shield, which was just kind of be a quiet, powerful presence. And, and totally when, agree. And when he did speak, his words carried more power because he didn't speak very frequently. And, and when they, when the shield split and he kind of, he kind of seemed unfazed by it and just, and, and, and just became this, this, you know, a promo guy, or at least tried to be a promo guy, and it it didn't work. We all remember suffering succotash. <laughs> oh, but dear. you know, it's hard not to. Yeah, it's hard to forget. But yeah, I think that could do could do wonders to Reigns if he's going to continue in in the way that they that they have shown him so far. I think that his manager is Paul Heyman also kind of conveys that status that Lesnar had and if that's the case then maybe they're building they're building Reigns in a new direction to to kind of take over as as the end boss of WWE as it were okay i can but see that. that but now oh, that i've said it that's probably not what they're going to do at all <laughs> we say this all the time we bring up all these great ideas and then listen and go yeah that's great and then go down a completely different route what about you mark you're very quiet um, no, I, I, I was just trying to think intently on, on the words that were coming out of the mouth of, of Pete probably Pete sharing. So um, it's, it's interesting though. I think with Reigns, I can see a lot of what Pete's saying. And I, I wonder if the idea, if we're going to get more of an explanation in the relationship, uh, I was seeing these kind of like almost six degrees of separation kind of memes floating around of like oh you know things they planted seeds like i'm not going to give wwe that much credit but mm-hmm. somebody really took the time to say back like five years ago do you remember the ma- massive snowstorm <laughs> roman reigns and 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 paul Heyman shook hands before he met face to face with brock i'm thinking you put so much thought into saying seeds were planted then there's no way unless you're like you're psychic and you've got something 1-800 number that you can call that you could have predicted this would have happened five years later did you know there was going to be a pandemic i mean i, I don't know if there was going to be any if there was any going to be any idea that this was going to be the direction but i think a lot of what pete say pete was saying is true if if the idea is that strong presence in reigns then why would you need a brock lesnar when he shows vulnerability as a competitor you have a point he has a point yeah. it's it, uh, it's still too early mm-hmm. it's me stumbling over my words there i'm, I'm, I'm trying again mr positive <laughs> i'm i i can see big things with Heyman by his side now whether that's going to 
re- result in in Lesnar coming back at some point, saying, "Oi, you've you've got my manager. What are you doing?" And you would have a Paul Heyman or a pole match or or some randomness down the line. That that's a possibility. You could have, as as Pete said, you could have Reigns just step into the Lesnar role and just dominate everyone and just let Paul use him as the heat magnet. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, there's so many different ways it could go. And uh, by the sound of it, from what I've seen and been and reading online, is that now Reigns is the is the, the big heel of, of the company. You've now got the fiend as the big baby face of the company. <laughs> That's a bit of a stretch in my eyes. I mean, I, my way. I said last week that I love I love Bray. He's totally underused. But for them to just switch him and push him into his huge baby face as the fiend. Yeah, if you had, if you had told me this that that if you had told me last year that this is how it's going to be, this is how things are going to be, I I would have laughed in your face. Yeah, I would have thought that's sure. is, that's some serious pie in the sky thinking they're not going to do. But now my wife times are crazy. Yeah, my wife uh, is not convinced by this. She's like, wait a minute, this guy that puts his fingers in somebody else's. She's trying to use like the logic police. She's like, he he put his fingers in the mouth of like of an innocent little uh, not a little girl, but an innocent un wearing a mask like that. You know, carrying the head of a lamp. I don't I, know. I'm, I'm, I'm... <laughs> Maybe the beating and the chair shots that he got has has flipped a switch, and now he's going to be more of like the the fun funhouse bray. And hey, kids, I'm I'm your I'm your new super Cena or, or something along those lines. You, you never know with their booking. You never know. Mm-hmm. As as a whole, are we are we happy with that direction? I'm, I'm happy with the direction I pitched. I <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about keeping Bray as as top babyface of the com- or at least top babyface on SmackDown. But then again, you know who else could who else could really fill that role other, other than Strowman? Well, if you're listening to the uh, to the underground, not the Raw underground, but the underground beats, the, the Keith Lee is going to be pushed to the moon, which is great. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. just about about bloody time. But they've got to be careful because it could end up down the Goldberg route where. You get pushed to the moon and pushed down someone's throat so much, we end up saying thanks, but no thanks. But at least he's getting pushed. So, he's, you know. He's so, he's so versatile, though. That's the thing with Keith Lee, where you wouldn't get that with a Goldberg. He's so amazing. He's so good. He's athletic. He's strong. He's good on the mic. He ticks all the sodding boxes. He's amazing. Oh, yeah. Love it. Check, check, check. Truly, truly. I'm excited to see if that turns out to be true. Because, uh, like I said uh, uh, last week, I'm really disappointed that that he didn't get that much of a run as NXT champion. Oh, let's keep our fingers crossed for that. And talking about being fingers crossed, we've um, we've had our fingers crossed as a as a community, as a wrestling community. I've had our fingers crossed for quite a while about MLW's return. And earlier this week, it was announced that MLW are coming back. Pete, have you got any any news? Yes, I do. MLW is uh, having a set of tapings at an undisclosed location in October. We we learned yesterday they have a new a new signee. They uh, signed a deal with indie wrestler Kevin Koo, and we also know, or it's rumored at least, that when MLW Major League Wrestling returns to regular programming, that their their uh, weekly show will have a different name and a different time slot. That's right. Yeah, it was um, the news broke on I think it was Sports Illustrated 
very strange not being on on a dirt sheet. But uh, yeah, it was it was broken on Sports I, Illustrated. I learned from PW Insider. I think they I think they got it from Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm sticking to. But um, yeah, yeah, it was, it, all the news came out from there. There was, as you said, an undisclosed location on the East Coast. There's uh, a possible new show name, a new slot back on the TV. I think it was early November. So that's that's huge news, huge news. And and while I'm on it, don't say yourself short about the new signee because you wrote a piece for us yesterday about the new signee, which you can find on ProWrestlingPost.com. So just push your work, man. Always push your work. Shield, shield like a demon. Yeah, shield like a fiend. Shield like a fiend. Oh yes. I guess. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been wondering myself. You know, it, it's we're five episodes in, and I haven't really plugged myself that much. <laughs> Oh, well, that'll change. That'll change. We'll sort that out. It's mm-hmm. because you're in a, like, a crisis, you know, Pablo Pete and all that kind of stuff. But we've, we've sorted that. So, Mark, MLW, are you happy? I know you're a bit of an uh, MLW aficionado. Uh, I, I was very excited about the fact of them coming back. Um, whether Whatever Court Bauer seems to touch, he, he really has his hand on his hand on the pulse of what is important and providing another option and not doing the exact same thing. And whatever comes about with this restart and the return of Brian Pillman, it looks like, I, I don't know what his contract status is officially with AEW, but he had asked for a release. He's not necessarily released. He's going to be part of the promotion moving forward. Do they have a heart foundation? What is this restart going to look like? It's kind of hard. I think if you've gotten any of the newsletter updates, Contra Unit had taken over and to some extent, there was things happening where they were taking over the show, which led in well with the pandemic. But uh, what happens now? Who's going to be a part of this show moving forward? Who are the names? Calvin Tankman, I think, was part of that before coming forward. And now Kevin Koo. Uh, these are prominent names. We're going to get a prompt. We're going to be getting a preview of, of a show where guys like Lawler and Tankman are going to be a part of that, just like they're part of MLW. On pro wrestling post this weekend by the way but yeah uh, yeah i hope i hope it still it still retains the feel of fusion because i remember like i started watching fusion in december of 2018 and the only reason i fell off is because i was on the road for work much of much of last summer and didn't have a reliable internet connection but yeah, when I was when I was watching it, I I remember thinking to myself, it really it really feels like almost like Georgia Championship Wrestling and ECW like had a had a baby, and I really hope that it stays that it stays like that. And yeah, I'm I'm excited for for to see more Tom Lawler, some of the Von Ericks, and uh, see how this country unit angle resolves. With the breaking news earlier, you know, with AOP leaving, it you you could see them. They could turn up on these these tapings. So keep your eyes peeled. So from there, we're going to go and talk about a few things that have um, been published by ourselves this week. Mark, I think you've got a few couple with you there. What have you got? We have uh, In Memoriam of the Late Bullet Bar Bob Armstrong by Dr. Mike Lano. He writes about the history of Bob, his contributions, his family that is still a part of the industry, and what they mean to wrestling. I was, I was reading that. When was it? The day it was, it was, it was uh, published. I didn't know I had wrestled for 59 years. Yeah. That was an amazing stat that he put out there. Yeah. yeah. 59 years. That 
that's that's oh that just messed with my mind a bit there sorry yeah this is one of those guys so I... who should be up there with with dusty Rhodes and and terry funk and jerry lawler as like one of those guys who who really who really stayed in it for the love of the sport i think the last angle i remember was him part of tna as part of the james crew with with his son with brian james as part of it when him and uh and Billy Gunn and like Road Dog, they were all part of it. I think he was involved in some NWA TNA angle at the time. I'm trying to remember what their what their stable was called. Uh, Voodoo Kid Mafia. Yes, that's the one. But just just going back to um back to Bullet Bob, Doctor Mike was was dropping facts like they were going out of fashion. He he was in in all Japan in the seventies with Giant Baba. He was an ex fireman. He had this this massive facial injury. I didn't know any of this and to look at him uh, you know over the past 10 15 years when he came into my consciousness you, you wouldn't think that of him yeah, not at all like i remember hearing about him as as uh, uh one of the heroes of the territory days but like like i thought of that in the same way you might think of of mr wrestling or mm. uh, like i said the funk brothers you know people who were instrumental at the time but have kind of fallen off in in recent years and it's a shame that it, it takes for something like this for them to come back into into the public eye it's a real shame our thoughts uh hearts and prayers go out to the armstrong family from one legend to another we've got a, a new writer on the site this week who's, who's given us a, a piece about another legend isn't that right mark we do uh mike bryan who's trained with ovw it really works hard and was really passionate when he applied to come to write for Pro Wrestling Post. And what he's written is a wonderful piece on Lance Storm. He's an unsung hero of Canadian wrestling, grappling. Many fans of his from the 90s will remember his work in ECW, what he did in WCW, how that transitioned over to WWE, his whole, if I can be serious for a minute, when he was always serious and super articulate, why more didn't come about? Always wonder. Multiple champion. Chris Jericho at one point was part of Angles as the Un-Americans. Phenomenal, phenomenal work. Yeah, you, you ask why why he he why so little came from him, and I think it's because he he kind of got typecast or he kind of got unfairly cast as as boring, just because he was he he was he was big on his technical stuff. And I think that was at a time when when technical wrestling was kind of was kind of uh, poo pooed in the mainstream as being boring. I don't think he helped his case by making his finish a single leg crab, but I think I think that he was actually kind of misused everywhere except ECW. Yeah. See, this is where I'm really lucky because I'm covering ECW for the sites, and I haven't actually got to him yet. I'm in uh, April '95 at the moment which by the time this goes out, my, my next piece will be out and it features the debut of Eddie Guerrero. So I know that Lance isn't that far down the line. So I'm looking forward to that. But I know from watching ECW before just how great he was. And he carried that onto every promotion he ever went into. And it might have been a case of just wrong place, wrong time. He's technically perfect. He's up there, in my eyes, with Bret Hart for the, the te technical ability that he could he shows and always has done. It just happens to be, as I said, the wrong place, wrong time for his pushes, in, in my opinion. His, uh, his 
and recently like you could see his fingerprints are, are on it probably doesn't sound right the way I was going to phrase it, but his fingerprints are all over Dominic Mysterio. But really, it's his training of Dominic Mysterio, which is should be credited in the work that we're seeing. It's kind of living on, right? His influence is there, and well, you know, he's not he's not officially retired yet. There's still there's still a few more matches in him, and I hear Chris Jericho wants his last match to be against Lance Storm. Ooh, I and, didn't hear that. That would be great. Mm-hmm. That would be great. So, well, interesting though. In the piece that Mike wrote, he quoted something where his last match in Ring of Honor was where he had said, "As far as me as an in-ring performer, I this would be it." He's very he was vocal at the time. So, you know, Lance Evers, if that's the wrestler that continue, if if it's just the trainer that continues on, you're right, Pete. Maybe it is something that Chris Jericho pulls. And coerces him enough to say, "Let's that let that one last match be something special. Maybe it's in the Hart Family Dungeon or something." Mm. Really, really throw back to when they they were together. Yeah, yeah. Have have the thrill seekers one last time. For sure, sure. Perfect way to uh, end that that segment. There, I think. So, from our past pieces, we're going to carry on now with a few more bits of uh, wrestling news that's happened around. The Globe, our resident impact expert, Mr. Pete. We have a new champ. We, we spoke do. about this last week. Yeah. About how how they wouldn't do a switch on, on, on normal TV. They'd wait for a pay-per-view. <laughs> and and here we are under the the Impact World Championship reign of one Eric Young. How wrong were we? <laughs> our track record is not looking good at all. <laughs> It really isn't, is it? But at least, you know, I'm, I'm under the impression that they hear us and they go, we're going to swerve them, and that's what they do. It's, but it's, it makes for a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. So, is it the right time to put the belt on him? Was it wrong to take it off Eddie? What do you think? Uh, so, was it the right time to put a belt on him? You know, like we said last week, it was. It, it's, it should have it happened on a pay-per-view. I think that if they had more time to to really explore the area, we we could have gotten more. But as for as for taking the belt off Eddie Edwards, I think the open challenge always had that that consequence about it. You know, mm-hmm. like any of them could have been Edwards's last match as champion. And I think that we should have expected him to have a reign that that wasn't that wasn't very long. But definitely one that was important, and and Edwards's reign was important because he was the one who was right after right after Tessa Blanchard was stripped of the championship and for for failing to appear, and he needed to put the shine back on that belt because we hadn't seen it in a while and it hadn't been defended and and it was it was kind of getting overshadowed by uh, uh, Moose and and the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. So it's one of those things where the right person has the championship but it should have happened i, I could have waited a little longer i mean the next pay-per-view is is it battle for glory the, the big mania type show which i think is in the middle of next month they say call that say five six weeks do you reckon they could have eked it out five to six weeks that's where i'm I, from their point of view that's where i'm seeing it i don't think the story they were telling could have stretched 
until the pay-per-view. Mm, yeah. So you just put that's the true. belt on him now and then we'll we'll make Eddie the you know the baby face that's that's just you know running for, for the for the belt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean I, if this if this is the beginning to a, a program with them, I'm I'm willing to see that out. I don't think they could have kept going for another six weeks. Mm. But I think they could have yeah, they could have they could have had a, a little bit more builds before before Eric Young struck f- for the championship. You know, I think he should have there should have been a little bit more mind games going on. There should have been should have been a bit more a bit more stalking, playing with his food. What about you, Mark? Did you did you watch Impact this week? Did you see the match? Uh no, I just kinda caught the highlights. I, I know that Pete wrote up about it uh, as far as our and new. Re- really well done. The maniacal character is something that always has done well. Uh, and much like you guys, I think there could have been more play to it. I just don't know what if if we're looking at still no crowds, does it still generate the same kind of buzz in four weeks? That it would have is timing really going to be that much of a difference? Maybe, maybe not. We could hold off in four weeks and it'd be a pay-per-view and still not get the big grand return that somebody like Eric Young who'd contributed so much to Impact. I mean, everybody talks about AJ Styles, but Eric Young's contributions to Impact shouldn't be forgotten either. What happens? Is it is it just as important? I don't know. It's, 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 uh, I can't put it. He's paid his dues. Let's, let's put it like that. The guy was in TNA slash Impact for a damn long time. He was there during the lean years. I mean, the guy was married, inverted commas, to ODB. He deserved something out of it. Going to WWE and, and not fitting their system is, I think, the, the, the positive way of saying it. And coming back, he had to say something. He had to make an impact, much like EC3 is, in a very different way. This is what Eric Young's done. So it legitimizes the time he spent away, that, that WWE has turned him into this maniacal, out-of-control character who just wants to take what he thinks that he deserves. I dig that. The match they had left me wanting more mm-hmm. on Tuesday. It was it was solid, and you can definitely tell, given an extra five, seven, eight minutes, they could have put on an even better match. So the rematch down the line, which there's, they're going to be, and possibly this whole program as well, that's good. But as Pete said, oh, if they could have just eked it out and stick, put the belt on him at, at Bound for Glory, it would have made it an even bigger accomplishment. If if EY could have just toyed with him, the mind games, the random attacks, anything and everything to get in Eddie's head, it, it would have made for a better story. It, it, the story not yep. even finished well, yet. So. And, and also, yep. there, was, there was also maybe a handful of other guys that Eddie could have faced as part of the, the open challenge. Yeah, you'd you name some last week. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like so, uh, yeah, I could have seen him having a good match with Hernandez, maybe Crazy Steve. You know, exactly. There, there could have been ways to to get to this without Ey being involved, so to speak. He could have toyed with him from the background, and Eddie could have defended two, three weeks, and then Ey pounced. Mm-hmm. But again, we're just we're armchair booking. So he, he could he could still be playing with his mind, even like maybe to have the champion in the role of somebody that gets in the head of the competitor, that's the challenger. Has it really been done where the predator is really the one holding the title as opposed to the one having to fear that they have something to lose? Whereas 
the challenger has something to fear that they've got something to lose? Off the top of my head, Bray Wyatt hard, when, yeah, when he first say, had the Universal title. Yeah, that seems yeah. like that seems like about the only time that's really happened, and and it never lasts long. No. So, so do you think that they're going to flip it in about four weeks? Do you think they go back to? Oh, I hope not. I hope they don't hot shot it. Yeah, yeah, especially especially this this soon after taking action to rehabilitate the belt. Yeah, as as you yeah. said, it's he's put some shine back on the belt after it being on hiatus. He's made it look prestigious again, and for them to just you have it, I have it, you have it, I have it. It's it's gonna it's gonna take the shine away. Mm-hmm. So I hope not, but you you you, ne- you never know, especially with booking because. Well, as we said it, they won't do it now. That's the way I see it. So now, from Impact, we go to tomorrow night's AEW All Out. Now, we're recording this on a, a Friday afternoon slash evening. We could be completely wrong with all this. And feel free to, once again, jump on our Twitters and harass us and tell us that we're idiots. But here is our, very quick, because we're slightly over time, AEW preview. We shall start with the Casino Battle Royale. Who have you got? Who do you expect? Is there any surprises, folks? Uh, hold on. I'm just going to bring up the uh, uh, everyone who's been announced so far. Darby Allen, Brian Cage, Ray Phoenix, Pentagon Jr., The Butcher, The Blade, Chuck Taylor, Trent, Key Starks, Brian Cage, and Eddie Kingston are the names that have been announced so far. Where are we going? Oh, uh, do, Billy do and Austin you... Gunn and Jake Hager. Do we see any any surprises from like independence? Oh, showing up. Yeah. Unnamed. Well, I mean, they could always one woman that I've always I don't know if they're gonna go in that direction and, and bring a female in, but I would like to see Lefisto maybe show up. I know they everyone lobbies for her to, to have been part of that mm. TNA championship challenge, but I don't know about showing up being a surprise, but I I, I I'll go with Darby Allen as the winner. I, I am also for Darby Allen as the winner. I'd like to get into that later, actually. But uh, mm-hmm. as for as for uh, uh, someone from the Indies who could show up, Warhorse on Dynamite was kind of a big deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think I think that he could easily he could easily show up for the uh, Casino Battle Royale, even if he doesn't win. That's a good shout. My my pick. Uh, I've got two, so I'm I'm going to hedge my bets slightly. I've got Brian Cage because. Because he's got Taz in his corner, and I'm a big Taz mark. And secondly, Eddie Kingston. He's so good and so underrated and flown under the radar for so damn long. He deserves a massive spotlight to be shined upon him. So I'm hoping that one of those two guys, more for Eddie than anyone else. So from there, we are off to the Dark Order versus... Now, I'm not going to say all this. I've just written this down as Cody's friends. (laughs) (laughs) So, his friends well, and family. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we going? Uh, uh, I have I have two predictions. I think either Brody Lee is going to pin Dustin Rhodes, or Matt Cardona is going to score the pin on Brody Lee. Mm. Uh, just because I think those are the two those are the two two most obvious outcomes to me. Either oh. either a big win for the Dark Order or Matt Cardona gets a big win on pay-per-view what about you mark i, I like pete's train of thought right that uh, right now uh, 
Does a loss for the Dark Order hurt them overall when your champion is still... Well, I think, uh, uh, if you heard last week, that I think the whole reason that Brody Lee got such an easy win over Cody Rhodes is that he... Just Cody, I should say. Uh, the whole reason that Brody Lee got a win over Cody is is because I think he he did something to orchestrate a big win for himself, and and mm. bolster confidence within the Dark Order. So to win the TNT Championship and then to celebrate like they did, and then and then take a take a loss in the next pay per view, kind of smells like like Vince McMahon fifty fifty book. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do like your... I've, I've written down in my notes here that I've got Cardona picking up the win to start a feud. Mm-hmm. Because he's only got... I think he's got a five-match date, and this would be match two. So that's, that's a little mini feud there. The more I think about it, after hearing you say it, the more I like the Dark Order totally demolishing every single person involved in, in Cody's friends and family team, which then puts so much heat on the Dark Order, boosts them back up, makes Brody Lee look strong, and then you've got Cody coming back at some point down the road, hot as hell. And then you've got Matt Cardona, hot as hell, who could stoke the fire and keep it going until Cody gets back. You've got Dustin. I mean, you could even have Brody Lee finishing off Dustin, and, and that could be his career. Well, you know, storyline career mm-hmm. to 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 prolong it that way. But I think it's in all in all seriousness, it's going to be Matt Cardona picking up a win and starting a a mini feud. So from there. We're going to a possible match of the night here. The Jurassic Express against the Young Bucks. Mark, what are you thinking? Uh, I I don't think a loss by the Bucks ever hurts them. It only just helps another team. So if wins and losses matter, a win for the Jurassic Express is a good thing. It helps them, builds them up, and it doesn't really involve Marco's stunt. <laughs> so it becomes a more credible match seeing them as a as a team with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. And yeah, that, that it's going to be an exciting match, win or lose. But I, yeah, my call is Jurassic Express. I'm going to go completely different. It's a completely different direction. And, and uh, I think the Young Bucks are going to win this one just because I think that they are going to have to display a bit more, a bit more intensity as they, they are participating in this build towards a match with uh, FTR down the road. Which, oh, I like thinking. Which I also, like thinking. I guess, gives away a different one of my uh, predictions. <laughs> I'm. It's, it's one piece here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go and side with Mark, and I'm. I'm. I'm calling Jurassic Express to win, simply because the the wins and losses matter. You've got the the wins and losses that count towards your ranking and rankings, whether or not you get a title shot. Jurassic Express. As much as I love them as a team, I can't remember the last time I saw them win a match. And the Bucks are the Bucks, and they can easily take one for the team and and put them over, and it wouldn't bother them at all. And to be fair, since since the inception of AEW, I don't think they've really been that high up the rankings. They've had what one title match, I think, mm-hmm. in, in in all the time that AEW's been around. They've yeah, they've been they've been in a handful of number one contendership matches, but yes. they've not. They've only had the one title match. So, in that respect, I think. Express can can take the win and push them a bit up because it's not going to hurt the Bucks. You know, you could go down a dusty route and just bring out FTR to to cause some some yeah. mayhem to further the feud. They, they could easily lose this and still come out of this looking strong against FTR mm-hmm. down the road. Mm-hmm. 
From that match, we go to the AEW Women's Championship match. Another possible match of the night here. You've got uh, Hakiru Shida against Thunder Rosa, the NWA Women's Champion. In my defense, I have not watched uh, a single lick of NW Power. And I know everyone's going to shoot me hate mail and everything else, but there's only so many hours in a day. And the amount of wrestling that I watch, we watch the three of us each week, something's got to give. And it was always NWA Power. So I don't know much about Thunder Rosa. I have obviously so, read, I've read the the, the um, recent piece that was put out on the site. So don't don't have a go at me for that. I have read it. <laughs> I've I've not really seen much of her matches. What what do we think? I think Sheeta's going to take this one. Uh, not to put Thunder Rosa down at all as as NWA World Women's Champion, but I think that her presence in this match is kind of an admission of how weak the AEW women's division is right now. Not that I think they've necessarily done a bad job building the women's division. I just think that a lot of the big players or people who should be the big players in the women's division aren't available right now. Uh, we haven't seen Chris Statlander in a long time. We haven't seen Austin Kong in a long time. And and we're not even sure if Bia Priestley is still under contract. You have all these very talented women who who can't be there for the show and and I think the women's division has kind of been suffering even though they had their women's tag team tournament very recently. Yeah, that's that's very strange. That how many women was used for the tag team tournament and the, the the women's division did look stacked because you could see all these women joining the division and then all of a sudden a, a call has gone out and the NWA women's champions come in mm-hmm. to take the number one spot, which is going to piss off uh, quite a lot of the, of the, the women's roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have all the, the a lot of women who are very talented, but also, you know, a lot of women who who though talented don't really seem like like credible challengers to to Sheeta outside of you know Statlander, Kong, mm-hmm. and Priestley, and and Britt Baker if she were well enough to have a match, which she very might well be, as uh, she has a match on the pre-show. She's on the pre-show with Big Swole. Big Swole. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, Thunder Rosa. Are oh, you, she's, are you... I, she's special. I definitely seeing her compete, seeing what she's done, not just in TNA, or sorry, not just in the NWA, but also outside of that as well. She's had matches in ROH, and she's been in a tag team with uh, Holiday, and I mean, she's very noted. Will this be the match that brings things full circle and she becomes uh, the AEW champion. I don't know. I don't think uh, too fast, too soon is the way to go. It, but it seems like it didn't stop impact from putting a title on, on a former champion that way. So, you, you know, to follow logic and reason and what works, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a good idea so quickly. I think we could still have a solid match and a win for Sheeta just shows how good she is because that's the one thing the women's title really hasn't had a really long-standing champion hold the title and it be that prestigious. Well, as I said at the beginning of this, I, I don't really know much about Thunder Rosa. So on that basis, I am going for a Sheeta win. But what I am taking away from this is the this, uh, this little agreement between AEW and NWA. Does that open the doors for uh, an alliance later on down the road, or some kind of partnership? Or it, it just—it's it's interesting for me. You're right. 
at at the first all out, the NWA World Championship was one of the was one of the belts defended, and uh, you know maybe this is AEW giving back, sort of sort of repaying the favor. But to have that as part of like a talent sharing agreement between All Elite Wrestling and the National Wrestling Alliance. Hopefully, business is is you know is business. So showing shining a lot in the NWA, and we're uh, getting back into business again. So from that match, we go to a couple of gimmick matches coming up. First one I have is Matt Hardy against Sammy Guevara in a Broken Rules match. Now, who knows what a Broken Rules match is? And can they explain that to me? I have a feeling it's just going to be a no DQ match. Oh, is that it? Uh, I have a feeling that's it. Unless oh. unless there like there's no been no announcement as to uh being like a cinematic match or, or anything of that nature. Oh, I'm disappointed now. I saw Matt Hardy's name in it, I was getting excited for some cinematic wrestling. And it's just a no DQ yeah. match. Yeah, oh. I think if, if anything, I think the cinematic match is gonna be the Britt Baker Big Swole match. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is on a pre show, which we haven't covered, so we'll pass on that. But yeah, so we've got we've got um Matt Hardy against Sammy Guevara. Where are we going? Who, who's who's going who's gonna to do this? Uh, well, there's also the stipulation that if Matt Hardy loses, he will have to leave AEW. And I don't think that's going to be the case for, for someone who debuted so recently. I think, I think Hardy's going to win. And honestly, I think, I think Hardy might retire in AEW. Like if this was uh if Hardy loses he has, he must retire match then then uh uh maybe he'd lose but I think I think he's still got a lot left into him to offer all elite wrestling. What about yourself, Mark? I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction and I think the idea of teasing him potentially retiring or leaving they said that Matt Hardy is leaving, but is does that mean broken Matt Hardy remains? Do they do something fishy with the name and that he's stronger than death or mm. you get version 3.0? I don't know. I mean, is, do we get uh, another version of what came to be and that it's the end of what we knew with Matt Hardy? Are we looking at it at a deeper level? Is there something or is there nothing? But uh, it would be fun. It might upset, I mean, some fans may be like, yeah, this is great. And some would be like, really? That's cheesy. Like, <laughs> so he's he's technically left, but he's not left because like who? So does he disappear and Maxwell shows up or does Willow come out? Like, does his father-in-law appear? I don't know. But, uh, I, but I really think that he loses... And he's maybe haunted, Sammy is, by what is left of Matt Hardy and that some remnants comes back. I don't know. I'm I'm going to take a screenshot of my notes and I'm going to forward the, the picture to you two later because you have literally pinched what I was about to say. <laughs> I was going to say there's going to be a technicality where Matt Hardy will leave, but it will be one of his other guises that will come back and you know carry on wrestling and this is this, okay the match itself is going to be great matt is going to make sammy look a million bucks he's going to put him over so well he's 
Sammy's going to get the win. In my eyes, Sammy will get the win. And as you said, he will be haunted by by Matt throughout the next month or so. Sammy's going to crow about this. He's the one that retired the, the amazing Matt Hardy. He did this. He did that. He's so clever. He's so cool. And then he's going to end up... Do you remember um, when Warrior was in WCW? And <laughs> you had you had Hulk Hogan looking in the mirror and you had Warrior behind it just for a split second. That kind of theatrics in a cinematic yeah. way, I can see just a further... There's no way the story's finished yet, but something along those lines is going to carry on. That's what I I, I want. Whether I, <laughs> that's what I can see. Mm-hmm. And as we've said, it's not going to happen. But that, that to me, it's going to be a Sammy win. And by hook or by crook, Hardy's going to keep his job. And then from that match, we go to... <laughs> We go to some mimosa madness, don't we, guys? <laughs> Chris <Mimosa> Jericho, <laughs> Chris Jericho against Orange Cassidy. This is going to be a bit of a breather from the the rest of the card. This is going to be a lot of comedy, and with two guys who are amazing talents. Even to this day, Chris Jericho is still goddamn good. Where are we going, boys? I must say that of all the matches on the card, this is the match I would least like to be in. <laughs> uh, if only because uh, oranges just give me terrible headaches. <laughs> I am uh, I'm behind Orange Cassidy on this one because he seems to be one of the fastest rising stars in all elite, and I think that that Jericho at this point in his career can can comfortably take losses like that. His... Well, Jericho Jericho's publicly said that he he will quite happily put people over now. Mm-hmm. It's always there. Yeah, and like this being the rubber match, I think a more decisive victory for Orange Cassidy than a roll-up probably do wonders for him moving forward. What about you, Mark? Much like Pete, I have a hard time really disagreeing with any of what he said or seeing it differently. Yeah, but unlike Pete, Christmas morning mimosas are what we have in our household. We, Although we throw a little bit of cranberry juice, it's actually not bad. Um, but as far as the match... With these two, we've needed to see some depth. We've needed to see a little bit of anger out of Orange Cassidy. And thank goodness Chris Jericho has been the the one to bring out the vitriol in him and get him all fired up and angry. Let's hope we get that win for Orange Cassidy. And I'm 100% behind you guys. It is some vitamin C all the way. It is Orange Cassidy in a great match. I mean, Jericho. He's going to do the job. I, th- I hope he does the job. He's going to shine him up really well. And Orange Cassidy, as you said, Pete, is one of the biggest and, and fastest rising stars in AEW. It'd be silly not to capitalize on this feud and push him even further. Mm. We're now at the tail end, at the top end of the card, sorry. And we have the two title matches. We have the AEW Tag Team Championships where Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page will be teaming up to defend their titles against FTR. This is tight. Where are we going, Pete? I, I'm i all for uh, FTR in this one, just because I think this is going to take them into their program with the Young Bucks. But I think that this is where we're going to see the Elite really stress or, or come under some, some tension. We've already got that from last week's Dynamite and being the Elite this week where Hangman Adam Page is uh, is looking like he's he's no longer part of the elite. Yeah, this could be this could be the push to really really make the elite implode. Because I really think that in 
good wrestling booking, when you give us something we want, you have to take away something we liked. And we all liked the Elite. We liked that that unit. And I think if they're going to give us a dream match like like FTR versus the Young Bucks, they're going to take away that that faction that we'd come to that we'd come to love. One hundred percent, absolutely. I also think that this is going to be the beginning of a time when the AEW World Tag Team Championship kind of gets gets hot potatoed. But I think that's overall a good thing because at this point it would really speak to the strength of the division. Whereas, you know, if they were doing that with, we, we said earlier, with the Impact World Championship, after it's taken such a, uh, um, it's had such a hard time not being defended on TV and and uh, having the champion just not show up. But we have, you know, we've had, we've had SCU as tag team champions who did very well, uh, had a respectable reign. And now we have uh, Hangman and Omega, who have also had a very respectable reign. They're at over 160 days now, and and really the 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 tag division has been has been growing, and I think seeing more teams capture that championship and really really show that uh, on any given night anyone could win. For sure, definitely, Mark. I'm excited about this match, and with Tully Blanchard behind them the seeds are planted between him with them and Sean Spears. And is this exactly that the match that makes Omega and page completely implode? And maybe it is page that willingly takes the pinfall because he's done with all of it and being called a drunk and he knows whose side he's on and he walks out with Blanchard and FTR. So I don't see it being hot potatoed. I think, having a solid reign and a lot of people that are there to support it make the tag division that much more enticing to be a part of and the programs can be that much more exciting Uh, i just the volume of teams can be a little too much if you can't do it well Uh, i just i'm curious to see what will happen i'm excited with the possibility ftr winning and yeah I i think that might be in the direction that i'm going with my call this is another possible match of the night for me. FTR, The Revival, whatever you want to call them, have put on stellar match after stellar match after stellar match when the stakes have been high. This is their biggest match in AEW. They are going to pull out all the stops to show the world that they are and deserve the, the title of best tag team in the world. The way I see this going is, as Pete said, Hangman's going to... He's, gonna, he's not going to lay down as such, but he'll take the pin. Omega will have the hump with Hangman. They will implode, which then sets up the dream match of Bucks against the Revival. The Revival, my bad. FTR, further down the line. It's the, 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 the undertones of the, of the story, the booking. It's just been, it's just been a highlight of this, of this whole reign of, of, of Omega and, and Page. This are they friends are they not is he a drunk does he have the backing of the elite he wants to leave it's so many different nuances in this story it's just been it's been fantastic it's it's completely different to what you've seen in, in other promotions but yes it's FTR for the win and I'm, this is the one I'm banking on this is this is my uh, the entire card this is my banker so if I'm wrong I feel, again feel free to just lambast me on Twitter and social media it's, it makes a change for my wife doing it it's all good it's all good 
from that title match, we go to the main event. We have the AEW World Championship, where John Moxley will defend against MJF in uh, a very fun and different build, I think, for this feud, Pete. Yeah. Yeah, it's been very much uh, MJF campaigning to win this this title, uh, or to at least have the match, and really doing all he can to, to stack the deck in his favor. And that's why I've got kind of a sinking feeling about this this match that MJF is going to win. And I say sinking feeling, but I think that this is going to play into some unfinished business between MJF and Cody and Cody down the line. But yeah, tying this back to my prediction about the Casino Battle Royale, I think that if MJF were to win, you would need someone who who would believably lose to MJF and I don't think that someone like Brian Cage, like Lance Archer, like some of the bigger guys in that match the the casino battle royale those guys would absolutely would absolutely roll through mjf if if in a one-on-one scenario but i think with darby allen you can have you can have him lose and and look good in his loss that makes sense that makes perfect sense yeah as for mjf's unfinished business with cody i can see cody coming back after he's done with with whatever's taken him off tv and perhaps earning his right to challenge for the AEW World Championship back. That is, if he's not going straight into a feud with Brody Lee. What about you, Mark? Where do you see this going? It's a lot to, for me to kind of unpack it. Um, I, I don't want Moxley to lose, and it's it, there's nothing, I think, because the DAC is so stack, stacked against him. The way Moxley comes across is that it's just no sweat. And I think unless somebody leading up to that makes you think that there's some sort of doubt in Moxley's mind, um, he could have lawyers, doctors, whomever is going to be around the ring to support him. Uh, I just can't see Moxley losing now. Uh, I can see it happening. I think they would want it with some sort of, I think the program has been good, but I just, I don't, by him losing and it making sense. There's nothing that's pulling me in that direction, even with everything stacked against him. Uh, I don't see the the Cody thing. I think that ship has kind of sailed. Um, they've had that program. I think Cody's already put him over, and that's kind of the end of it. But yeah, Paul is really thinking Matt Moxley will win because they're trying to build the, the stack the deck against him so much. See, I I thought about that as well. But I think that Moxley, that sorry, I think that AEW is not interested in making someone who who they're not into making someone who will to, will win even in in what's the word extenuating circumstances the mm-hmm. way that John Cena used to all the time, right. and I think that with the deck stacked so much in MJF's favor to have Moxley win kind of feels like one of those situations in like circa 2008, 2009, where it would seem entirely most or entirely likely that Cena would lose. But, you know, AEW doesn't seem like a Moxley wins lol kind of company. But do you ever get the impression that commentators 
saying repeatedly, all oh, the DAC stacked, stacked up against them, that, yeah, we, we know that. It's like t- telling somebody that can't see that they're blind. We, we know that. But at the same time, with them trying to remind us of something that's so clear, doesn't that, in essence, say, well, yeah, it's so clear, but there's still a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it would also... It'll be fun. I've got this. I've got this really close. I, I literally, I can't pick a winner because of, as you said, guys. You know, one way or the other, it's, it can go towards MJF in his, how can I put it, his presidential election style storyline, which ties into what's happening in, in in America right now. And then you've got the the John Moxley who's just going to be this John Cena esque overcome all odds kind of thing. Uh, if I had to choose, and obviously I have to, I'm I'm going to go with MJF just because I don't think John Moxley would want to see himself down that Cena route. He would want to look vulnerable. Where I mean, this is the guy that had his eye taken out by the inner circle and still walked away, you know, a, a champion. Mm-hmm. Is it, it's only so far you can take that that credibility before you think, oh, yeah, all right, Cena point, you know, two point So I think MJF is going to win this. I, I and. It's a good shout, actually, about Cody coming back for MJF. It, the, 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 the program's done and dusted, but there was still, uh, going back to, to long-term storytelling, there was still some underlying tension and issues between the pair. Uh, that's that's always going to be there. That's, that's like a Hogan-Savage kind of, mm-hmm. you know, underlying baseline story. Hey, that's great. But... He needs to get. He needs to have his revenge on Brody. There's no way someone takes a beating like that and goes, you know what? I'll come back to you, but first I'm going to the champion first. It's always, you know, personal before business. The MJF storyline I can see happening down the line when Cody's back from from filming and after he's finished with Brody Lee. I'm gonna go with it. if, like I said, I'm gonna choose. It's MJF for me, all the way. I've just decided right now. That's it. I've, I've convinced myself. That was clever. <laughs> All right. Nicely done. Oh. <laughs> That's uh, the AEW preview out of the way. Done and dusted. Obviously, as I said at the beginning here, this is recorded the night before the pay-per-view. So if we're wrong, ah, what are you going to do? After a nice little bit of fun there, we are, I'm going to hand this over to Mark. We've, the wrestling community, the female wrestling community, suffered some um, devastating news uh, two days ago. Yes. Um, Casey Michael, uh, wrestling journalist, uh, really important to the women's wrestling community in particular, but wrestling as a whole, an insider, he's just as committed to not costing somebody an opportunity as he is embracing them, supporting them, standing with them so he passed away a couple of days ago he's had issues with liver um the cause a liver transplant did not take or it had it didn't didn't survive from the i guess the effects of it 26 years of age um just devastating to know that he's behind people and pushing people like mia yim and what he's meant to people like them uh, Thunder Rosa, uh, Rachel Evers, or Ellering. It's just, it says a lot about her. It's Sorry, it says a lot about him and what he's meant to them and people that can depend on him and how he was so vocal also during the speaking out movement 
and being supportive of all of those that were affected. And sadly, as quickly as he rose, his, his health took his life. And we remember what he's done for women's wrestling and what Squared Circle Sirens will continue to do, live his memory on and carry on with his memory. There is a GoFundMe page uh, available. We will have that in the post as well. Uh, I'll put a link to that. It's already doubled its earnings to, to cover the cost of the funeral and the proceedings that have followed that. So we do send, on behalf of Pro Wrestling Post, we send our best, best wishes and well wishes to Casey Michael and his family at this time. Just before we leave today, we have uh, an upcoming piece coming out later next week. I'm going to go hand this back to Mark because it's his piece and it's about a certain NXT women's wrestler. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's one of a couple because you, my friend, who's got a special day coming up this weekend. Pete, do you know what it, what's happening with, with Mark's weekend? I, I, I've heard that he's going to be playing an awful lot of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater remake. Yeah, that that would be part of it. Yeah, that's that's definitely it. He's also going to have an EC Dog view retro view taking place. Is that not true? That's right. Yes, I, I did mention <laughs> earlier. I have uh, my ECWP is coming out. What what these two are, are, are slightly digging at here is that it's my birthday <laughs> this Sunday. I shall be turning a very ancient age, and. <laughs> As as Pete so succinctly put, I shall be playing Tony Hawk's all weekend. I've already played it for at least about nine hours today before recording. And I shall carry on with that all weekend as I put the weekend off in the day job. So I, I didn't want to mention it, but but I've sort of been pushed into it. So thank you very much, guys. And <laughs> what else is happening on Sunday then? If we Is this when the um, Dakota Kai piece is coming out? You know, the Dakota Kai piece is scheduled for this coming Monday. It is our latest in the Before the E series. Again, looking at her history, her career, leading up to this point, and really how she's become this this heel now where she was so weak prior to, but really she's come such a long way as a competitor. Uh, it talks about her relationship with Tegan Knox or uh, Nixon Newell. Is, did I pronounce that correctly? Nixon Newell, yeah, spot on. Yep, yep, uh, prior to, but it's more of a buildup as with the, any of the before the E pieces and talks about that with, with Dakota and where she is up until the May Young Classic. And she's seen her share of heartbreak and disappointment with injuries as well, but uh, we're hoping that it's uh, all behind her now. It certainly looks that way. I mean, she's... She's being booked absolutely fantastically well at the moment. And yeah, all power to her. Hopefully uh, she she can carry on and push on and our before the piece will, will shine a light that many people don't know about her background. Indeed. So with that, that is the end of today's pod. Once again, we'll uh, finish up here with our social medias. Pete, where can we find you? I mean, by now people should surely know where you are. Uh, uh, Pete probably, on, at Pete probably on Twitter. And uh, I, I don't have a joke for this week. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all joked out. That's what it is. Mark, yourself? Uh, you can reach us at our official Pro Wrestling Post Twitter handle at Pro Wrestling PST or 
on Instagram at Pro Wrestling Post. If you want to reach out to me personally at the Mark Madison on Twitter, and that would be it. Yeah. Fantastic. I am at Mark Blake PWP. I will be accepting birthday messages and some IOUs for chocolate cake as I'll be stuffing my face on Sunday with chocolate cake whilst watching All Out. Once again, thank you guys for listening to us. We will be here same time next week. So until then, we are out of here. Bye-bye.